Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. My name is Emily. And I'm Paige. And I'm McKenna. And I'm Charles. And we're heading off to get a Bloody Mary because this shit was stressful. And you're listening to Tuesdays Are for Twilight. What's good? How are you? I'm good. Um, just a heads up to the listeners, if I sound a little different today, I am a little bit sick, a little bit coldy. So if I sound a little congested, that is why. Prayers for Paige. Hashtag prayers for Paige. PFP. Do you ever have, like, those days when you're just, like, almost having not really an out-of-body experience, but you're just really aware of the fact that you're being perceived? All day, every day. (laughs) For me, I only have it sometimes, and it's very unsettling, and I'm having it right now. Like, I'm like, Paige is looking at me. Do you ever get into that those days where you just keep remembering that you're breathing and blinking and then you have to like think about it for like five minutes until you forget about it and then can go about your day just like doing those things without thinking about them. But then you remember them again and then you continue the cycle like four more times that day. I don't have that exactly. One of my anxiety symptoms is air hunger, though. So I do be I do be huffing and puffing. You blowing that house down? I am. You better believe it. What is new this week? What's up? I don't really think anything is too different with my life this week. Um, We have our new general manager. He started uh, this past two weeks ago, I think. I think this was his first. I don't know. I don't know. But this past weekend, I was on call with him. And it was, first of all, his first weekend on call. And second of all, like, his first weekend on call with me and third of all I guess it was his first weekend back on call in like eight weeks and when I tell you that this man rolled over on his back for me the entire weekend I've never been happier he called me in the middle of the night and was like hey do you want to do this removal and I was like do you want to do it? And he was like, I'll do it. So he went and did it. And we had, there were two people that died pretty much like back to literal back that night. So he was like, this person has to be picked up right now. Do you want to do it? And I was like, I'll pick up the other person because he had already told me that they were not ready to be picked up and that it was probably going to be in the morning. So I was like, I'll pick up the person in the morning if you want to pick this person up now. And he was like, okay. And then in the morning, when he called me to go pick the person up, he was like, if you don't want to do it, I'll do it. And I was like, no, it's fine. I'll do it. And he's like, are you sure I really don't mind doing it? Here's the thing, though. This man literally lives in Wyoming. He does not live in Colorado. It takes him an hour to get in. So, like, for him to pick that person up in the middle of the night, it probably took him, like, an hour and a half to, to get there. So the fact that he was like, I'll do it. And then when I said I would do the other one, he still was like, no, I'll do that one, too. I'm like, maybe he just really likes his job. Maybe he's, like, doing anything he can to, like, make me happy and keep me on. I don't know, but I'm loving it. I love that. That is the proper order. Men doing things for women. Um, Don't come at me, haters. It's a joke. But I love when, like you have to do the like obligation thing of being like, no, it's fine. But then like, they still keep pressing onward with doing it. That is the best feeling ever. Yeah. I mean, like 
I, if you insist, I mean, twist my arm, you go right ahead and do it. <laughs> I have actually a funny story from this weekend about that. I went to the Cheesecake Factory with my sister. We go there way too much. But here's the thing. I didn't really want to pay for my food. Because <laughs> I do, I just be struggling out here. And my sister do not. Let's just put it that way. So she, I was like trying to do that thing that we're talking about to where I was like, do you want me to pay? And she's like, well, it's up to you. And I was not expecting that response. So I was like, well, I could transfer some money over to your bank account. And she was like, it's fine. And I was like, are you sure? And she was like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay. It was so sh- low key shitty of me, but you gotta do what you gotta do. Here's the thing. I feel like this is just kind of unspoken in the good person community. When it's very obvious that the other, that there's when there's two people and it's known between both people and very obvious that you're in different economic brackets, like like a lot, you know? I think it's kind of like if your relationship bodes it I think it's kind of assumed that the other person is to pay. Like I used to do that all the time with, I'm just going to beep his name right now, beep. um, Because he was making like $27 an hour while I was working at Chipotle for like 14 an hour. And we would go out to eat and I'd be like, you can go right ahead and pay. Like we both know you literally live with your parents and don't pay rent. So I know you can afford it. I mean, I saw this tweet once that was like, Girls go out with $3 and their ID and come home with $3, their ID, and a three-piece chicken nugget. And I was like, that's so true. <laughs> On the topic of my new general manager, hilariously enough. So I think I mentioned this in the last episode that I had a one-on-one with him at Waffle House. Did I bring that up at all? I may have just brought up that we had like a one-on-one meeting. It was at Waffle House because we have one right across the street. So we went there. Um, he told me beforehand that he was going to pay, but I also wasn't even planning on like eating anything. I was just going to get coffee. So whatever. But he got food and a coffee. I got a coffee. The total was like 12 bucks. And he was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have this really awkward conversation with these Waffle House employees because I definitely forgot my wallet. And like we are literally just across the street. Like it would not have been a big deal. But I I had brought my wallet. So I was like, oh, don't worry about it. I mean, I can pay. You can just pay me back. It's really not a big deal. And he was like, I will pay you back as soon as we get back to the office. And I was like, do you have Venmo? I mean, you can just Venmo me. And he was like, I don't believe in Venmo. I carry cash with me. I'll just pay you in cash. And I was like, whatever. That's fine. So after tip, I think we paid like 17 bucks, 16 bucks, something like that. So we get back to the office. This man gives me a $20 bill and says, I don't need the change. So I made money on this trip. That is iconic. I love it so much. Yeah. So you you take you take the on-call nights and you give me money. I'm okay with this. I'm okay with the deal that we've struck. I'm very happy for you. I hope it continues to be fantastic. Fruitful. That's what I was going to say, but I can think of the word. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, so we need to have a talk with y'all about next steps. God, I sound so corporate right now. Um, So we've gotten a few questions in our various DMs and other ways to contact us, which we will share at the end of this podcast. 
um, just about kind of like what we're reading next or recommendations on what we do next. And we figured now was a good time to let you all know that Paige and I are going to be taking a break. Um, this has been really, really fun, this podcast, obviously. And I'm really glad that we did it because I honestly think it helped me like really grow my relationship with Paige. And obviously it's been really fun meeting all of you along the way. Um, but it was a labor of love. It takes a lot of time, a lot of effort. Um, and I do kind of this sort of thing for a living. So it sort of has become, begun to, you know, feel like I'm kind of working all the time sometimes. Um, and so, yeah, we're just going to be taking a break. We're not saying that we'll never come back and do anything else. Um, we just don't really have any definitive answers. We don't want to tell you like, oh, we'll be back in September, blah, blah, blah. So we'll just kind of see how things go. Yes. And first of all, I want to say Emily and I are not taking a break from each other. We both still like each other a lot. So I don't want it to sound bad or anything. But yeah, like Emily said, you know, this has been like amazingly fun. And like, on top of getting to hang out with like one of my all time best friends, you know, getting to like participate in like an enormous part of culture and like get to like be in on it now has been just like super cool and fun for me. Now I get all the memes and the jokes, which is which is very fun. Um, but you know, like, like Emily said, this also has been a labor, labor of love and we got to take a little bit of a nap. We got to take a little bit of a nap and we love and appreciate everyone who has gone through these like two ish years with us, almost two and a half. And we appreciate everyone so immensely and like are still in awe that people are like, like want us to do more. Like, I'm genuinely shocked that you guys, like, have just been so supportive and loving, and we can't thank you enough for all the support you've given us, and we love you guys, and thank you. Yes, thank you for adding that part, Paige, because it's just been so fun meeting you all, and we love y'all. And um, we mentioned it a couple episodes ago, but we are going to be having kind of, like, a wrap-up episode. Um, so we would love to have any of your questions or just if you have a, a note you want us to read on the last episode, um, that'll be like fun. We really don't have like an agenda for it. So it's kind of whatever y'all want it to be. We'll probably come up with some questions, but yeah, just really want it to be like kind of answering anything. And yeah. Also, yeah. Thank you for specifying that. <laughs> I didn't realize that I phrased it like me and Paige were literally breaking up. <laughs> I I feel like they're there you always hear like about like big podcasts that like break up like I feel like there was just one recently like a TikTok one um I can't think of what her first name is last name is Broski she Brittany Brittany Broski she was in a podcast there was like a crazy episode they broke up and it was like all kinds of drama this isn't that this isn't that it's just like, a natural place for the podcast to end and you know for us to kind of catch our breath and continue on with the struggle that is being alive in 2023. Exactly. And we were mentioning this to one of our listeners, Meredith, um, too, but time to like pursue other interests. Like that's something that I personally haven't really had time for in the last two and a half years, just because, you know, this was my other interest and it's been super fun, but yeah, I don't know. I'd like to kind of like do some other fun, funky stuff. Emily is going to start streaming. <laughs> Papa's Pizzeria only. <laughs> I would watch that. 
Okay, yeah, same, honestly. I don't even watch streaming, and I would watch people play Papa's. I know you weren't a fan of Hot Doggeria, but I always really enjoyed that they had the seasons change, and then you would change the lobby to match the seasons. Do you remember that? I don't think I ever got that far. Also, they couldn't come up with a better name than Hot Doggeria. Like, come on. They could have done Sausageria, Bratwursteria. I don't know. I feel like hot. I mean, if you're at a ballpark, I feel like you're going to have a hot dog, you know? It was in a ballpark? Yeah. I don't even remember that part, damn. Yeah, I'd be, I would be working those posters because you get a little bonus anytime you have that like ingredient. So if there was like a seasonal one, I'd be like, yep, put that up. Mm-hmm. You know, now that I say it out loud, I don't think Hot Doggeria had seasons. I would change the wallpapers and the colors and the posters and my outfit to match different like baseball teams or whatever. I think the first one that started with the changing seasons was the Pastoria. Mm, that does sound right. I love that you just put the entire game on your back and said, I'll make the seasons. <laughs> I just because you would put up stuff in your lobby and then it would lose val like it would lose interest and you would lose uh like patient points patience points or whatever and so you had to keep it fresh so I would make it like themed yes same I would love to do like a little jukebox during Christmas or whatever Mm -hmm. and then they'd all like dance like this (laughs) yeah they look like sims kind of (laughs) anyways (laughs) Well, we got off topic. Um, Recommendations, Corner, you want to go first? Sure. Um, The recommendation I am doing this corner, since I am a sick girly, I'm going to recommend my favorite relief uh, for sore throats, and that is the Ricola Sugar-Free Lemon Honey Drop. It's like a little lemony, a little sweet. Uh, It's sugar-free, so I don't have to worry about a blood sugar spike. And they're pretty tasty. Like, they're not, like, medis- Like, you know how, like, like a Hal's is, like, just, like, spicy in your mouth? Which sometimes is nice when you have the burning. But the Ricolas are just, like, gentle but soothing. Like, they still have a little spice, but it's, like, it's just a little milder. And I really appreciate that. I'm not going to lie. When you first started saying what you were saying, I thought that you <laughs> were going to recommend hot Cheetos as, like, a sore throat thing. <laughs> So for breakfast this morning, I had this brand of treat. It's like Parmesan crisps. And they were, it was like sweet and spicy flavored. And I was like, maybe this will clear my nose up. It didn't. I'm telling you, the hot Cheetos would do it. You're not wrong. Any excuse to eat the hot Cheetos? I don't even need an excuse. I'll just do it. That's true. That's true. My recommendation is food, as is our habit. But my recommendation this week is Jelly Belly Jelly Beans. I love it. It's actually one of me and Jacob's, like, well, I don't, I can't speak for him, but it's one of my favorite activities to do with him. Um, Because we just, like, give each other ones that we know what they are, and then we make the other person guess. And it's just, like, it's fun and it's candy. I do that with Danny. We have a big batch, big bag of Sour Patch Kids. And so it's like, what's this flavor combo? And you got to guess it. I love that. So fun. Love an activity that also involves me eating. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right. I guess we'll get into it. We read Chapter 37, 
of Breaking Down this week, which was called Contrivances. What did you think about this chapter, Paige? I, okay, I wish I had pulled the audio up beforehand. It's, well, you know it, it's the disgusting one, but the one that you like, the, like, nasty-ass, like, it sounds like a voicemail, you know? No, it's a girl, and she's like, don't touch me with your cowboy boots, bitch, disgusting. Maybe I'm going to use something different, but I my sister knows it. It's a voicemail that some gal leaves, and she's like, I, I'm looking for so-and-so, the nasty-ass, stupid-ass, something-ass, like, ho, little stinky-ass, like, something, something, something. That's how I feel about Arrow and Chaos in this. I'm like, these guys are snakes in the motherfucking grass. They have their own agenda, and they will tell lie after lie after lie after lie. These drama kids and their 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 theatrical acting, I'm not here for it. I... I do gotta say, the thing with Irina had my jaw on the ground. I was like, like, it was like moments, and she was just no longer a character. I cannot believe it. Um, Garrett has skyrocketed to one of my all-time favorite characters. Not only is he spunky, but also he's like, we're about to die. I may as well shoot my shot right now. I may as well get myself a girlfriend. Good for you. Good for you. And honestly, if I were Kate and I saw a man do that in front of the Volturi, I would be I would be impressed. I would be turned on. That's for sure. Um, and yeah, it really do feel this. This has to be the last chapter before before the, the big the bigness, if you will. So this this chapter was was good. It was like not fun, but it was definitely like this is what the drama is. This is what the conflict is, is that there is no rhyme or reason. It's simply the Volturi don't want the Cullens around anymore. They've had enough. They might be jealous. They might be envious. They might just be like, they might just think that this lifestyle is weird and we need to eliminate this powerhouse. Seeing the witnesses that were brought to support them and seeing kind of the like the stand that's against them, the feeling that they have to now extinguish this, that's their prerogative. And like it they've made it clear that peace was never an option. So this is about to be the the action, if you will. I agree. I'm gonna stop you right there because while you were talking, I heard a weird noise and I looked over and Mila is chewing on the toilet paper. She unrolled it. So I'm gonna grab that. Bitch! It's not even good. Why do you eat it? It's not even good, bro. Mila eats paper. Tell your friends. That's nasty, bro. I think she low-key does it to be like, see see what I'm reduced to? I'm starving. <laughs> I hope all of this stays in. <laughs> okay. That's fine. What do I care? I think it's funny, too. Um, okay. Agreed about Irina. I d- I'm going to, I don't care if you give me consent, I'm going to post the Snapchat that you sent me while you were reading this chapter with the episode this week. It was so funny. Do you want to talk about it? So I was, uh, picture this, you are Paige. You're sitting in the cremation room, actively cremating someone. You're curled up on a nice comfy chair we have in there. And your legs are all curled up really tight. You're just enjoying yourself. Things are getting things are getting heavy in the chapter. And 
Edward fucking Cullen says to Jacob Black, I can't even think of the exact words, but he says something to the extent of Jacob Black, my, my comrade, my son. What? What? No. Take that out of your mouth. Return that. Bring that back to the store. We do not want that. Now, because you said it, I'm going to have to force you to picture it. Edward walking Renesmee down the aisle to Jacob. See, the thing is, is that I'm fine with it if she's an adult. I'm fine with it. But in this moment, right now, he is referring to Jacob Black, who is like one year or the same age, like one year younger or the same age. He's saying he's calling him his son because he's betrothed to his infant daughter. I can't. I cannot suspend my belief for that. It's horrible. Mila just howled in the back, and I completely agree. Also, I wasn't saying that that's happening or going to happen. I just, sometimes at night when I can't sleep, I just picture that. I I have something random to bring up that I saw on TikTok that I wanted to, to, to chat about. It's very off topic, and I meant to ask it beforehand, but I figure I'd ask it before we really jump into the chapter. It's Edward-themed. Okay. So I saw a TikTok and I really wish I had saved it. I almost sent it to you, but then I was like, eh, I don't know. But the more I thought about it, I was like, eh, I'll ask her about it. And it was some gal who I guess she has her own podcast where I guess she like interviews some like someone, just a random person about their special their special interest. And this person's particular special interest was Twilight. And she made a TikTok saying, like, I love my job where I get to spend an hour talking about how Edward Cullen was so enjoyed by teenage girls because he represented being a girl or being a teenage girl. And then in parentheses wrote, like, feeling like feeling unwelcome in your own skin, hating yourself, having to repress your sexuality, just like like feeling like everyone hates you, that you're unworthy of love. And it really resonated with a lot of girls in between 13 and 18 years old because it was a lot of emotions that they were feeling at the time. What are your thoughts on that? I'm interested. That's really interesting. Um... I just don't know if I personally read him that way. I feel like I do now that I have all of 600 pages of Midnight Sun, you know, and maybe that was there in the original text of like the way he kind of talks about himself to Bella. But for me personally, he just kind of seemed like not relatable, I guess. I I have to agree. I mean, I have gotten all of Edward Cullen at once. so. When I read that, I could totally see that because I read Midnight Sun pretty much at the same time that I read Twilight. So, you know, like it totally made sense to me that those things would resonate. But yeah, like you said, Midnight Sun only got released like two years ago. So if you only had Twilight, New Moon, Eclipse and Breaking Dawn, Edward, that might not be something you necessarily picked up on right away. Right. That's kind of how I feel like. 
I think he's relatable now that I've like kind of actually understood that he is just like also a child who like has a lot of self-esteem issues. I think he seemed so much older to me when I was younger. Yeah. No, I get that. I, uh, I feel like what I thought of Edward Cullen, I mean, which was practically nothing when I was a kid that he was like a mysterious older man who was like, you know, like, uh, like an older teenager, you know, that, that feeling of when there's like an older person, they're like eons older than you, I guess. That's kind of how I viewed him as like, I mean, I didn't really have any like content to engage with. I just knew what Robert Pattinson looked like from like the media that was out there of Twilight, you know? Yeah. Totally. That's an interesting perspective though. And if any of our listeners like did kind of have that resonate with them, let us know. Cause I'm curious. Like, I totally think it's valid. It just personally for me was not how I interpreted it. All right, let's jump in. I was like, I just want to apologize right off the bat for last week. I was like, like the whole freaking time. It was so annoying. God. Okay. So there's no time jump from where we left off in chapter 36. Um, we're still just, as Paige said, the Volturi are still just kind of hamming around. I don't even know if that's an expression, but I'm making it one. They're just, yeah, this whole chapter is them just trying to find an excuse to annihilate the colons. So, yeah. I love the correct pronunciation of annihilate. Thank you. <laughs> Initially, in the first few pages of the chapter, honestly, Chaos just kind of embarrasses himself. Um, he gets egg all over his face because he's just like, he's literally like, thinking of anything like he has a brainstorming moment where he like stands for a bit and thinks about something else he could bring up against the colons it's just really awkward first he tries to say that renesme is not part human and arrow's like yeah she is sorry like even arrow has to call him out on that so next he talks about the werewolves this whole thing is weird to me at this point, you almost have the same amount of information that I do. I don't really know what they're talking about with Children of the Moon. I think there's something in, like, in stuff that Stephanie has written since, like the guide that she wrote to the series or something, that was about, like, like who those creatures are. But essentially, I just get the gist that, like, Chaos has beef with them. This, to me, felt like the chapter when all of the other vampires were introduced where Stephanie decided to elaborate on all of these different characters. And I really feel like she's trying to give herself other things that she could write more things off of. I never thought of it that way, but you're absolutely right. <laughs> like there really is no need for it to be so elaborated on. Like they could be like, like Hayes could be like, I, you know, I thought that there were stories of werewolves from wh whatever country that he said, uh, like, I don't know. He could have just said, like, I thought that perhaps there, those stories of werewolves of lore might be true. I didn't believe that they could be true. And that would have been that, you know, like, like the fact that she went into, like, a little bit too much detail. Like, why? Yeah, you're so right. I feel like she's probably got something cooking. Mm. I'm... Again, sending it back to the chef. 
<laughs> I was going to say, I'm ordering something else. <laughs> I'm gluten-free, sorry. <laughs> okay, so Arrow shuts that down, too, um, because he explains, as we learned in Eclipse, that the werewolves are not, like, they could be any animal. It just happened to be a wolf, so they're not, like, werewolves of lore that, like, change because of the moon and whatnot. Imagine if the wolves of Stephanie's made-up Quillute history, instead of changing into wolves, they changed into, like, trout. <laughs> I mean, a trout in love with a baby would be kind of weird. <laughs> I'm imagining just 20 t- trout flopping in in this clearing right now. Like, we're here to... Protect Renez, maybe. Thanks, I hate it so much. <laughs> Imagine all of the, like, the scenes in Eclipse where Bella is, like, wrapping her arms around Jacob and, and he licks her face, but he's a trout. <laughs> I don't feel bad saying this because Stephanie made it up. It's not real. It's not a real tribe history. That's why I threw that in in the beginning, because I'm like, if we're just making up stories, I may as well make something up, too. Anyways. (laughs) So the next thing is that in literally a half a page, Irina gets roasted. Not really. It's like two pages. But she says exactly the opposite thing that Caius wants to hear. Or maybe he does want to hear and he doesn't want to kill her to, like, make an example out of her. But this is what she says. Um, page 707. I have no complaint against the wolves or the colons. You came here today to destroy an immortal child. No immortal child exists. This was my mistake, and I take full responsibility for it. But the colons are innocent, and you have no reason to still be here. I'm so sorry, she said to us, and then she turned her face toward the Volturi witnesses. There was no crime. There's no valid reason for you to continue here. And literally, as she's still talking, Caius pulls out a lighter and lights her on fire. It's bananas i cannot remember if this part's in the movie i feel like it might be we'll find out i was really trying to wrap my head around this like medieval flamethrower he has because the way that they describe it it makes it seem like some like old like ancient tool but then it's a flamethrower you know the way i literally thought it was like a bic lighter (laughs) I was picturing, like, like a stone scepter that, like, shot flames out of it. I mean, like, looking back at it, you're probably closer. I don't know why I thought that. I'm, you're, I feel like what you're thinking of is that, like, long lighter that you would use in, like, camping. Okay, confession. I have two of those, and I use them all the time to light my candles because I get scared that my little thumb's going to get burnt. I do the same thing. There's one of those long lighters in our little like living room area. And I always use it for my candle. That's your bonus recommendations corner this week, people. Yes. Okay. So obviously in the aftermath of that, Kate and Tanya lose their minds. I was a little bit bothered by, I know that Carmen and Eliezer came later, but like Alice and Jasper came later. And, like, the Colons obviously still really care about them. But you only hear about Tanya and Kate being pissed. I'm Like, I'm picturing Carmen just standing there not caring. But I know that's not true. It's weird. Now, are Tanya 
for some reason, I really pictured that they were, like, full siblings. But now that I'm saying it out loud, that would be weird, right? I don't know, because I don't know if it's ever, like, specifically said, yes, they are blood sisters. But when Carlisle is telling Bella the story, is it Carlisle or is it Edward? I don't remember. But he's telling the story about how their mother was killed. He calls them their mother. Right. And, like, I think Esme would call herself the mother to Edward, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, I I totally, like, support what they're doing. I get it. I understand it. But it also is kind of cringe that this side of the, the little fight is, like, having, like, a really intense showdown and the rest of them are just watching. I'm imagining all the people who are just there as witnesses, like, just shuffling their feet, like, what? I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing with my hands right now. You know, like, clearing their throat. <laughs> um, but they managed to hold Kate and Tanya back, which is good because Bella says, and I think correctly, that, like, if they start the fight, the Volturi will be like, well, this is time, and then they'll just, like, kill everyone. Um, Garrett, especially, is very heroic. He, like, basically is just, like, riding out the pain from Kate, trying to shock him to death, and keeps her under control. I think he likes it. He does. And then also, doesn't Bella help shield him? Yeah, she does. So there's that, too. Yeah. Okay. Bella talks about how the Volturi witnesses are, like, shook. And as we kind of mentioned in our intro, that comes that comes to fruition in a big way because he, Arrow basically says, like, y'all can leave if you don't want to be here. But, like, I also would be scared to leave, but I also would be scared to stay. So a few of them leave, and then a few other ones wait until Chaos and Arrow and Marcus are talking and then leave, which I think is super funny. I I feel like that would be me. I would be too nervous too nervous to go in the beginning, but also too nervous to stay for the whole thing. Yeah, it's kind of the middle ground, which I love. Yeah. Um, okay. Before all that happens, really quickly, um, Arrow makes a show of quote unquote talking to witnesses. So he goes to Amun, who as we know is not like the most fond of the Cullens, but he, you know, he's a stand-up guy. He tells the truth. He explains that he saw that Renesmee grows, you know, and she's obviously part human. And he, he even goes so far as to say, like, I don't see danger in her. And then Arrow goes over to Siobhan and she basically says the exact same thing. Page 714. Renesmee understands the limitations. She's no danger to humans. She blends in better than we do. She poses no threat of exposure. And then Arrow says, can you think of none? Which this doesn't really, I mean, this seems to be the ground that the Volturi are now shakily standing on. Um, Because Arrow basically is posing that because they can't know what Renesmee will turn into or be, they don't know like her her growth rate or anything like that, that she is a danger to their society. My thing with that is, is like, what, what, what do we think she's going to turn into? An alien? I, like, what? I just feel like this this whole chapter was just 
arrow trying desperately grasping at straws to save face because he would rather upend everything that's going on here if it meant not embarrassing himself and the Volturi and to communicate a message. You know, like the fact that they brought all these witnesses here, he can't just be like, we were wrong, bye, that would be embarrassing. And he can't let the Collins win in that. So he has to grasp at those teeny tiny little straws that they give you in coffee stands. That's what he's grasping at right now. It just, it, like you said, it just doesn't make sense. Like she looks human enough that she can hang out around Charlie and like, sure, he knows the situation is weird, but I feel like he doesn't think that Renesme herself is the weird one. He thinks that like what's going on with Bella and Edward is weird. Like, I don't know if he necessarily suspects weirdness with Renesme. So like, I think that she'd be able to get by in like a normal human world. And like, if they just went out to the store, I don't think anyone would really bat an eye, you know? Yeah, I agree with you up to a point because I feel like Charlie has to kind of think there's some weirdness going on because she grows so fast. Fair enough. If they're going to continue to kind of live like more of a secluded lifestyle, it's obviously totally fine. I don't think you can put her in school because she would be changing so much, but like the chance encounter with a human would probably be fine. Yeah, that's fair. Anyway, she's not going to turn into an alien, is my point. Like, what do they think she's going to grow another head? I'm confused. The Vol- Like I said, Volturia grasping at straws. Anything is a possibility. That's true. So then, as soon as Arrow kind of delivers that whole theory, Garrett pops off and makes this whole speech about how, like, basically the Volturia are there to destroy the Cullens because they don't support their way of life. He implies jealousy. I don't think he, like, comes out and says that, but it's implied. And then, you know, he, he the whole time he's talking to, like, the Volturi witnesses, and he's saying, like, are you going to, like, let them be your masters, basically? Like, because this is where we obviously learn more about him being part of the American Revolution. Um, but he's saying, like, I'll just read a bit. Um, page 718 at the bottom. Their guard is just a mindless weapon, a tool in their master's quest for domination. So now there are more questions, questions that you must answer. Who rules you, nomads? Do you answer to someone's will besides your own? Are you free to choose your path? Or will the Volturi decide how you will live? I came to witness, I stayed to fight. The Volturi care nothing for the death of the child. They seek the death of our free will. He kind of spilled. (laughs) Ironically. (laughs) I like I said, Garrett is a short king in this one. Like I think he really popped off. Why do you think he's short? I don't know. I just feel like he's just like I just picture him short. I don't know. I could see it. I'm not arguing with you. I just wanted further evidence. <laughs> I have none, just the ideas in my head. Okay. So Arrow just kinda like brushes this speech off. This is the part when he talks to a couple of the Volturi witnesses and a few of them leave. And then there's this creepy moment. Like, I'm like, how did they know to say this? These lines, the entire Volturi guard speaks in unison. And I'm like, eh, 
Yeah, of all the things that really bugged me <laughs> because it's unrealistic. I don't know. I the Volturi have a lot of time on their hands. I I could see Arrow scheduling like one day a month to practice like lines to say together in unison. Ready, go. And everyone's like, "Yes, master." You know. <laughs> okay, you know what? You got a great point. I bet they do. They got nothing else going on. That's true, except for killing innocent human beings. <sighs> okay. So, after all of that, Arrow says, Brothers, there is much to consider here. And then both Caius and Marcus say, Let us cancel. So they do their creepy thing where they... I picture them, like, holding their hands up and making, like, a triangle with their hands. I don't know if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? I kind of like to picture that they go in a circle and then they have like a circle of guards like like all stand around them like like they're protecting them in a circle. They're all playing Quactilioso. <laughs> oh my god. Quactilioso, quack, 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 senorita, senorita, rita, flora, 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 one, two, three, four. If you never played that game, you messed up. Okay, I gotta get your opinion on something towards the end of this chapter. I already know how you feel about Jacob calling, or Edward calling Jacob his son. Were you going to say something? I'm just going to, I was going to predict what you were going to ask. What do you think I'm going to ask? Who do I think was attacking? No, but that's a good question. Um, I more wanted your thoughts on, this never struck me until this reading of this book, but as the three main Volturi are counseling, Bella is getting Redesme ready to to run. Basically, she like um, tells Jacob that he'll have everything he needs in her little backpack and to run whenever the fighting gets started. And that's when the awkward, awful moment happens with Edward and Jacob. But the heart of all of this is that Jacob is going to flee with Renesme. It. What do you think about that? I just think it was a lot for Bella to assume that Jacob would just do this, like, without any kind of, like, goodbye to his brothers, his family, to just remove himself from the fight. Like, I feel like it's very uncharacteristic of Jacob to not want to stick around and, like, defend the innocent, defend his family. Um and, you know, obviously the situation is a little different with Renesme and that he's imprinted on her and her safety is like his number one priority. But even still, I think that there's a lot at stake for Jacob right now in this fight. And for Bella to like not have given him any heads up at all to just be like, you got to go. Bye. Like, I think that if I was Jacob, I'd be like, whoa, 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 hold on. Like, I didn't sign up for this. Like, I don't. What's the plan? Like, where do you want me to go? I I, I was ready to fight. I have to stay here and defend my pack like this, that, the other. I have, I have to be here to defend you, to defend Edward. Like, I, I think it's a lot for her to assume that Jacob will just do this without any argument, that he'll just go along with it. I agree. And it seems like Stephanie has written him to be doing so. He's not arguing that we can see. And you hit the nail on the head for me. Like, it just seems really uncharacteristic if you think about Jacob in Eclipse and how he was like, I'd never miss the fight. And to me, like, the logic doesn't really check out because, like, 
there's other wolves in this clearing right now that also have imprinted on people. And I know they're not present, but like, you know, they have like high stakes too. I mean, not that they have higher stakes than anyone else, but I'm just saying like, he's not unique in that. And it like, if you're arguing that like, he's, he would be fleeing to protect Renesme, like, why can't he just like put her behind him? I mean, I know that sounds rudimentary, but like, Basically, like, fighting would also be a way of protecting her, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Right. And, like, as if the Volturi wouldn't be trying ultimately to get her, like, I think there would be quite a bit of effort to to track her. And I know that, like, Bella's plan is to kill Dimitri so that that's eliminated. But, like, even still, I think it would be a prerogative of the Volturi to, like, make sure that Renesme is taken out. Yeah, totally. I feel like it's not realistic for them to just run off and no one will chase them or anything. Right. And also, one last thing, there's no fucking way that tear was the size of a baseball. Get out of here, Stephanie. I, no way. To the size that your tear duck has to be to create that? No, not realistic. It's giving Alice in Wonderland, like, insane size differences and I don't feel like that's accurate it's giving I never learned critical thinking skills you could say that about the whole series okay anyways so obviously the rest of the Cullen's side of witnesses sees this and so they all just start sort of like start doing their goodbyes which is super depressing um and then Paige referenced this a moment ago, but Bella gets distracted because she feels one of the Volturi basically attacking at her shield. And then she says, get ready. It's starting. And that's the end of the chapter. So who did you think was attacking? I kind of just figured it was Jane because I feel like that lines up with her character. She's always been one to kind of just throw her powers, even to the people who aren't necessarily even a threat just to, like, show that she can do it. And she's she has a special vendetta against specifically Bella and the Cullens in general, and I could totally see her just being like, I'm going to do a little something, just to see. Yeah, and also I feel like she... Because Bella makes a point over and over again to say how, like, regimented and, like, in unison the Volturi are, but I almost feel like... If anyone could get away with a little bit of rogue activity, it would be her because I feel like Arrow would let her do whatever she wants. She's very impish in that way. Like, very much like the trickster-esque in that, like, she kind of has her own agenda and that agenda is being chaotic. And sometimes it's reined in, sometimes it's let to be chaos. And she definitely knows the power that she wields and enjoys it. Yes, definitely. Yep. Did you have anything we didn't cover? I don't think so. Okay. Well, next week is our final live reading. It is chapter 38. It's called Power, and I will be reading it to you live. Do you have any predictions? Well, this is going to be the fight, I really do feel like. I mean, there there cannot be anything else. Like, the, we are, Bella said it, this is it. So, I think with it being power, 
I think perhaps, I, I as I feel like any major battle is, it's going to feel like in the beginning that the other side is winning and that their power is too much. But I think also Bella is going to feel this power surge through her. I just recently re-listened to the episode of um, Breaking Dawn where Bella is having all those dreams. And she even uses the word bloodlust in those dreams to describe the way that she feels um, about this particular battle. And so I feel like she is going to feel this power like coursing through her and like the being in the moments, the threat of danger is really going to send a surge through her and probably the rest of the Cullens as well to like succeed in this. I mean, I cannot see evil winning. Like I would Stephanie do that. I don't think so. I don't really know how, like who's going to end up alive. Who's going to end up dead. That particular part of this series is, has been a question mark to me from the beginning. Like, I don't know how the series ends. I genuinely don't. So like if main characters die, I have absolutely no idea. So I feel like someone major has to die. Who that will be, I don't know. Good and bad. Like will all of the Volturi be killed? Potentially. I don't know. Maybe maybe power is describing the power that Bella wields as she rips Arrow's arms off of his onion body. I don't know. Not his onion body. Okay, if you think anyone from the quote-unquote good side, like if you had to name someone, you would think wouldn't make it. I feel like it would probably be a minor major character, like maybe like Tanya or maybe Benjamin. Um, I don't think that anyone in the immediate Cullen family would because... I just feel like the fact that they added all of these additional characters was a way that the the main Cullens can all survive. I think that there will probably be, you know what? I feel like Sam might die, leaving Jacob to be the lone pack leader. I could totally see that. Um, maybe Leah might die. I could see that, like her sacrificing herself maybe to save Sam. Um, I think there will be some wolf wolf death. I think that'll definitely be something. Um, but I don't think any of the main Cullens are going to die. Okay. All I can say is, is I will be very interested to hear your reaction on what happens. That's all I w- will say. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We've done it again, folks. Um, episode 101. Crazy stuff. As we mentioned, we would love any contributions for our wrap-up episode and also just all the nice notes and communications that you all leave for us in general. So you can do that in a variety of ways, as you know. (laughs) I I think about people like Jem, and I'm like, they have heard this 101 times now. (laughs) I commend you, Jem. I mean, do you stick around for my ramblings at the end? Who's to say? I... We appreciate you listening nonetheless. <laughs> nonetheless, indeed. Um, okay, so you can find us on Instagram and Tumblr at Tuesdays Are for Twilight. Find us on Twitter at Taft Pod, T A F T Pod. And you can send us an email at Tuesdays Are for Twilight at gmail.com. Probably next episode, we'll be able to announce um, w- we have sort of created a Patreon poll 
for all of our patrons and donors to vote on different days that might work for them to watch Breaking Dawn altogether. Um, we haven't published it yet because we just need to finalize a few things, but we're looking at early to mid-March. So just so y'all know, we'll, we'll let you know more about that next time. But to be involved in that, you can either um, donate to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Tuesdays are for Twilight, or we really encourage you to learn the real history of the, the Quileute tribe, not the one that Stephanie made up. Educate yourself, learn about their awesome culture, and donate to their efforts to move their cultural land to ground that is not in danger of flooding from global warming. And all of that is going to be at mthg.org. And just in case anyone was unclear, if you've already donated or if you've been a patron in the past, you are also included in that. You don't have to do it again. But we encourage you to if you want to. All right, Paige, she was looking something up on her phone, so I'm, I'm hoping this will be a fun fact or something. It's not a fun fact. I just looked up the the audio that I was trying to talk about earlier, so I found it. This is a TikTok audio version. Like, they put it over a song. You can look up just the, like, the, the talking of it. You might recognize the song. I also feel like this is what we should head out on this week. Okay, so if you want to actually listen to it on YouTube, the title of this is This is for Rachel Song, TikTok Song, parentheses, lyrics. Okay? Are you ready? This is for Rachel, you big, fat, white, nasty, smelling, fat bitch. Why you took me off the motherfucking schedule with your trifling, dirty, white, racist ass, big, fat bitch, overlooked, body ass bitch. I'm coming up, sir, and I'm gonna beat the fuck out of you, bitch. If y'all get caught on me today, cause I'm gonna start unexpected and wait on your motherfucking ass, bitch. I'm coming to beat the fuck out of you, bitch. Cause you did that on purpose with your eyes, you racist, white ass, big, hot, bitch, bitch. I'm coming to try to fuck you up, bitch. There's like another minute minute and a half of this, so it's going to stop it right there. I don't know the situation, but I know that she's right. I I mean, the first part is, why did you take me off the schedule? So I'm picturing this is like someone leaving, like I'm quitting, but this is why. And that's how I felt about Arrow and Kay is this, <laughs> this entire chapter. Totally relatable. I agree. Um, we'll see how you feel about him next week. When we read chapter 38 of Breaking Down Live. Bye, y'all. Bye. Our amazing intro and outro music was performed by Danny Plowman and produced by Alberto Beltran. You can follow Danny at Danimal6, and that's six the word, not six the number, Danimal6 underscore on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs>